It is uh, member-supported Hawaii Public Radio, all things considered. And Dave Lawrence, grateful to have uh, our next guest, who is uh, original Broadway producer of Hamilton. It's Jeffrey Seller, and uh, known for, along with his business partner, he's known for a lot of different stuff, very talented cat, but known, along with Kevin McCullum, producing three best musical Tony Award-winning Broadway shows, Rant Avenue Q, In the Heights, and of course, also getting credited with innovative approaches to ticketing and performances that we'll hear about. But he's joining us as part of Hamilton coming to stage. Obviously, original Broadway producer of that. And he's got stories to share about his fascinating life. And we're just so grateful that he'd take some time for us. It's Jeffrey Seller. Dave Lawrence. What's up, bud? How you doing? Aloha. Thanks for doing this. Aloha. I'm great. This uh, thing on your Wikipedia page first about inventing Broadway's first rush ticket and lottery ticket policies. This was in the time of the production of Rent, yeah? Yes. Thank you for mentioning that because I suppose that would be on my obituary, which is that (laughs) when my then partner, Kevin, and I were producing Rent, we were 31 and 32 years old, and it was a moment in our lives where we could barely afford to see a Broadway show. So we knew that if we were going to bring Rent to Broadway, we had to make it accessible to everybody. And there had been some rush ticketing in the past on Broadway, but it was always the worst seats in the house. And it was always only for students. And our we had two points. One is, why should it just be for students? There are many of us who can't afford to go. And two, why is it always in the last two rows of the top balcony? So we thought, A, let's make it accessible to everybody if they're willing to put in the effort. And B, what if we put it in the first two rows? And then all those people who are so excited that they got to see the show for 20 bucks begin a wave that takes the energy and the enthusiasm from the first two rows of the orchestra all the way to the last rows of the balcony. And what was so satisfying was that it became a policy that almost every single Broadway musical used in the years going forward. And then the Metropolitan Opera adopted it as well. That's great. It had this huge impact. And also take us back, I guess, just a little further. And how does a cat get into this kind of thing? What were some of the first theatrical experiences, whether they were plays, performances, something you may have attended or worked on in some way, something you were exposed to at school or at home that you attended, maybe first music you you dug or saw that that lit the spark? Yes. Well, like many of us, it was through religion. Many are in plays at their churches. I'm Jewish. I was in the Purim play at my temple. And for those that don't know, Purim is the story of Queen Esther from the Old Testament. And at my temple, they used to juxtapose a Purim play against a Broadway musical. So when I was in fourth grade, Queen Esther was singing from South Pacific, I'm going to wash that man right out of my hair. That was the bug. And in that show, not only did I get exposed to Rodgers and Hammerstein, but we also did a couple numbers from Gilbert and Sullivan's HMS Pinafore. So here I was at age nine, being in a play, learning about Rodgers and Hammerstein, learning about Gilbert and Sullivan. And frankly, the day after Purim on that Sunday morning, I started writing a play in my fourth grade class that I called Adventureland. By fifth grade, I was producing and directing and starring in the play. By eighth grade, I was picking the plays for my youth theater group in the suburbs of Detroit where I was growing up. So people say like, what does the producer do? And I'm like, 
Well, the producer picks the play. That's great, because a lot of people would ask that very question. Like, it sounds like a great role, producer. What does he exactly do? So for people who don't know anything about Hamilton, explain getting in touch with uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda and then how that ends up being not only one but two different productions that ends up getting you to Hamilton. And then, again, what do you do with someone else's work that you're the quote-unquote producer? I like to think that I am the nurturer of the writer, of the author, the artistic parent who is cheerleading, criticizing with just the right touch, making suggestions with just the right touch, and really giving that artist all of the resources that they need in order to achieve their goals. In the case of um, Lynn, the first show we did together was in the Heights, Hamilton was his next show. So when Lynn came to me and said, I'm going to make a hip hop album of songs all about the first Treasury Secretary Alexander Hamilton. And though Lynn originally thought he would just make an album, of course, he eventually came to see that what he was writing was a Broadway musical. And how did you first hook up? Is there any interesting story of you guys coming together? Well, I give my uh, then partner, Kevin McCollum, who, by the way, grew up in uh, Hawaii oh, as cool. well. Did he go to Punahou High School? He went to that private school. What that's was a, it? Was that's it the name, Punahou. Okay, Kevin is a Punahou graduate. I think he was one year behind a man named Barry Obama, who became <laughs> known as Barack Obama. But in any event, um, Kevin and I were partners. We had done Rent. We had done Avenue Q. Kevin heard about a reading that was going on in the basement of the drama bookshop in New York City of a new rap musical called In the Heights. Huh. And uh, when Kevin went to see it, he literally called me on the phone. He said, I have our next show. Well, it would not be right to also, because we've heard about Hamilton and In the Heights and uh, how it all sort of started for you as a kid, which is a great story, very inspiring and shows how important that early childhood nurturing, to borrow a word from you, is. You also produced Sting's musical, The Last Ship, based on the concept album of the same name. So share the story of, of how it came up and perhaps either first meeting Sting or any fun stories with him that maybe bring uh, some joy to you to tell. Well, sure, with pleasure. I love Sting, and I loved his musical, The Last Ship. The Last Ship started with an article that was on the front page of the New York Times 2000 and I don't know, 10 or 11. There was this black and white photo of a ship worker in Gdansk, Poland. And it was an article about a priest in Gdansk, Poland, who wanted to do something to lift up all of the unemployed, dispossessed blue collar workers from that community who had lost their jobs over the last recession. Mm -hmm. So he said, I'm going to take over this abandoned shipyard and I'm going to get this architect to draw me some plans for free. And I'm going to get this iron foundry to give me the steel. And I'm going to bring these men together and we're going to build a ship and they're going to sail around the world. And this happened in Gdansk, Poland. Mm. And when the New York Times wrote about it, the ship was mostly finished, but they had not yet set sail for the world. That story inspired Sting. And then his manager found me, we were acquaintances, and said, what do you think of this idea? And I said, <laughs> I loved that story. I read it too. And huh. she said, he wants to make it. I said, it's a musical. And that's how, you know, we started it. And then my job was to bring Sting, a book writer, to help write the dialogue 
conceive the characters, mm. to help him create the plot, bring him the director, and then, to, of course, to raise the money and do the show. He made a concept album by himself first, and then eventually we did the show. And then eventually he decided to be in the show as well. So it was a really beautiful journey and very lucky experience for me to work with an artist that passionate, right. that rigorous, and that inspiring. You ever go to his place in Italy, hang there where he grows the wine? <laughs> you know what? My writers went to his place in Italy, but I didn't get there. So uh, I guess I'm going to have to uh, wait till the next time for that one. And what's a favorite enduring memory of being with him? Sure. Well, I remember sitting in his beautiful dining room in London and him picking up his guitar and playing for us the new song that the leading man sings oh, wow. to his son at the beginning of Act Two. And how lucky am I when I'm in the presence of an artist who comes in with a new song. Right. And shares it to you in that kind of intimate, personal. Yeah. And just picks up the guitar and plays. Yeah. I like that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I know what you mean about when you get up close with somebody who's sharing and trying to be nice. And uh, you really shared a lot of cool stuff today. Uh, Jeffrey Seller and original Broadway producer of Hamilton, but so much more as we've been hearing great stories about Sting and everything else. And, I certainly hope that uh, being our guest here on All Things Considered that you had a good time, my brother. Hey, great interview. I love All Things Considered, and I am so looking forward to seeing our Hamilton company arrive here in Honolulu and give this amazing special experience to your citizens, residents, theater goers, music lovers over the holidays. We really appreciate it. I hope you had fun. Thank you for doing this, bro. What a pleasure. Appreciate it. Stay safe, brother Jeffrey. <laughs> Aloha, bro. Okay, bye-bye. And there's a million things I haven't done. But just you wait. Just you wait. There's a million things I haven't done.